Hey, Victory family, I'm Courtney Stanley. I am part of the Community Transformation Team here at Victory Church. This year, we are partnering with Mending the Gap, a local organization that helps provide meals and household items to over 400 local seniors. Because you gave, we were able to give away over 400 catered meals to seniors in proximity to all three of our Victory campuses. I have not really planned to go anywhere for Thanksgiving. So to be home and to know that I am getting a meal means a great deal. There are days for some that we don't know where the next meal is coming from. Mending the Gap steps up and they provide the service that is needed to help the seniors sustain their lives as long as they can. Each delivered meal included a beautiful colored card by our children's ministry and a prayer card with a phone number directly to our prayer team. So any senior wanting prayer could get a personal call from someone from our team this year. We're from Mending the Gap and we just wanted to tell you Happy Thanksgiving. Well, Abby, is there anything we can pray with you about today? Is there anything we can pray for you about? We had over 75 volunteers sign up to deliver our catered meals to Atlanta and to Gwinnett County. We are so grateful for our Victory Church family and for Mending the Gap. Thank you for all you do to support and care for our local community. Good morning, good morning, Victory family. I say good morning, Victory family. In the building and online, we're so glad that you guys decided to join us. We hope that you had an incredible Thanksgiving and time with your family. But right now, we're about to go into a time of worship. Jesus, we just pray that you would be glorified in this moment as we worship you in spirit and in truth. Have your way in this place. In Jesus' name, amen. There is no shadow that has ever overcome your life. And there is no You've always been with us Every battle you've already won We've already won There is no
receiving because God has so many good gifts he wants to give you he's such a good father there's so many things that he desires for you to have so many blessings he desires for you to receive just stretch out your hand this morning let's sing that again sing out oh barren wall sing out oh broken man stretch out your closer to you, oh God. We 
want to be closer to you, oh God. We want to be closer to you, God. want to be closer. that there is no lie that can stand. Speak truth to every lie that we've ever believed in our lifetime and reveal your truth in place of that lie and help us to walk that out every day, to be so connected to you every day that we know your voice when you speak. And when voices of doubt and negativity and fear start to creep in, that we can say, no, that's not God. Because this is what my father tells me, that he loves me and that he's for me and that there is no mountain too high that he can't reach up or no valley too low. I thank you, Jesus, for the power of your presence in this moment. Quite like you 
that you guys decided to join us in worship today whether you're in the building or whether you're online we're so happy that you made it here and so listen if you would turn to somebody on your left and your right front to the back greet them and tell them it's really good to see you here in church today and then you can take your seats good morning everybody great to see you on this amazing post thanksgiving sunday love it when we come together. I don't know if I, I'm sure I've told you this before. I say it so many times. I love Sundays. 
I just love Sundays. I love coming together with all of my family, uh, my church family. You know, um, this past year I celebrated 30 years of ministry, and I've been at six churches, and just every church, I just love gathering. I have brothers and sisters all around the country, and I get to be with you today, and I'm just excited about that. And I want to say to you, I'm excited about another group of people that are here. If this is your very first time at Victory, you are our guest. Victory family, can we put our hands together and welcome our guests right now? And to all of our guests, if you did not stop by the New Here area on your way in, I want to invite you to check that out on your way out. We have a gift that we'd like to give you. We have our team that we'd love to meet you. And also I want to direct you to uh, connecttovictory.com. And that's for those of you who may be in the room right now. And this is your first time. Maybe you're joining us online. And this is your first time with us. Connecttovictory.com is where I want you to go. You're going to be able to learn about so many things at Victory. Also, it's a great place for you to let us know that you are here and that you are worshiping Jesus with us today. We would really love to know that you are here. And then Victory family, if you're wanting to continue to worship Jesus through your tithes and offerings, you're going to want to do that at connecttovictory.com as well. Now, Christmas is just around the corner. And at Victory, we have a Christmas tradition that we call Christmas gift to the world. And that's where we come together together and we pull our resources and we invest in ministries here in the U.S. and the local community here, but also we invest in ministries around the world. And what I want to do is I want to toss to the screen for just a second and I want to share with you what we have been doing for the last few years. Friends and family, it's that time of year again. It's time to give a Christmas gift to the world. As a part of our Heart of the House initiative, Christmas Gift to the World is our annual opportunity to come together to impact nations by blessing local and global communities with our giving. Each year, we focus on two ministries, one in the U.S. and one abroad, and we take special offerings during the month of December specifically for them. As believers, we are commanded to love our neighbor as ourselves. We are called to go preach the gospel and make disciples of all nations. We are encouraged to do good unto the least of these brothers and sisters. This is the heart behind Christmas Gift to the World. Thanks to your generosity, Victory has been able to give $76.3 million over the years through our multiple missions and projects, including Christmas Gift to the World. We've seen God do so much through this initiative alone in the areas of sex trafficking, the building of ministry facilities, the digging of water wells, the launching of churches, and more. It is truly an honor to support and help emancipate God's greatness in our brothers and sisters near and far. Victory, let's keep it going. $76.3 million in investing in the lives of people. And so I wanna tell you a little bit about what we're doing this year. This year, we're going to be partnering with Neighborhood Cooperative Ministries in Norcross, used to be the uh, Norcross Co-op, and uh, they minister in Peachtree Corners, Norcross, uh, Doraville, and Tucker. And then also, we're going to be partnering with a couple that are friends of ours in Angola, Africa. Listen to this, they're building, we're gonna be helping them build a permanent location, a ministry base, so that they can house teams coming in train leaders, here's my favorite thing, translate the Bible into the local language, 
to people who have never heard about Jesus. And that's because we have been faithfully giving over the years. And so this is gonna happen next Sunday, um, our Christmas gift to the world offering. And so just be praying this week about what the Lord would have you give, all right? So let's take a moment and pray. What we wanna do is prepare our hearts and we also wanna pray over our giving. Also, you can follow along in the sermon with Pastor Mo if you'll download the YouVersion app and that there's gonna be directions up on the screen for that. So let's pray. Jesus, we've worshiped you. We've lifted up our hearts, our voices, our hands to you in adoration and love. And now we are opening and positioning our hearts to hear what you have to say to transform us and change us. We know that your word gets planted in us. And so we want our hearts to be fertile ground to grow and let your word bring forth fruit. So change us, transform us so that we leave different than the way we came in. In your name we pray. Amen. Good morning, Victory family. Welcome home. Somebody thank God if you're glad to be in the house this morning. Come on, we can do a little bit better than that. If you're glad to be here, those who are worshiping with us online, we're so glad that you are here. Listen, welcome back from Thanksgiving holidays, and I'm sure you have eaten good and you feel good. Some of you have enjoyed your family. Some of you haven't. But I feel like even before I jump into this message, I have what I say is even a word from the Lord today that I think is going to help you before I even start preaching about this series called Home. I want you to hear this. I believe this is really important. I want to let you know you got one more day to eat leftovers. <laughs> one more day. One more day. So go home. Enjoy it today. But you will thank me by Tuesday or Wednesday if you do not harden your heart on that word. Listen, I'm excited today because as we kind of come out of Thanksgiving holiday, every year what this does, it, it marks the fact that we only have a few more days left in this calendar year. Coming out of Thanksgiving shows us that we're just over a little bit of 30 days left. And the reason why I'm so excited today is because we're starting the last message series of the year. And this last message of the series of the year is important because we've been intentional from the beginning of the year. If you've been tracking with us, what we've said is that we're not just having isolated messages here and there, just kind of cherry picking. We're on a journey together. Somebody say a journey. We've been on a journey together. So what we've done is the entire year we've taken messages and become very intentional about dealing with the inner man, dealing with the matters of the heart. We've been dealing with emotional, spiritual health, internal health, talking about subjects about money, talking about family drama, talking about father issues, talking about those things that we really don't like to think about, like being offended. We've even talked about this last series that we just came out of. It was about sin cycles. How many people enjoyed that last series? Some of y'all are like, I didn't enjoy it, but it helped me. <laughs> but as we come out of that series and we enter into this next one, what we want to do is we want to let you know why we're doing that. Because it's important that we understand that as we do this, sometimes vision leaks. 
And even as that video said about emancipating greatness, the whole reason why we're taking this journey to deal with the inner man is because of this statement that we've been saying all year. And I don't want you just to hear it as a rhetorical statement. I want you to hear it as a a liberating freedom from the Lord. It's this statement. I believe that you were made for something great. Sometimes we can shake our head and hear that and say, okay, he's just saying that. No, I want to let you know the reason why we're taking the intentional time to deal with these matters of the heart is because I believe the pastoral team, the leadership team, we believe that you were made for something great. But it's very important for us to understand what that actually means. The the reason we got that statement that we've been actually echoing this entire year is that it comes from Genesis chapter 1, where the Bible says that we were made in the image of God, and in the image of God, he created us. And what this means is that we're not talking about your greatness. Yeah, I know you're real good. I know you're talented, but we're not talking about your greatness because inherently, we're not actually great. But through God, Through his power, through what he put on the inside of us, he wants that greatness that he put on the inside of us to come out of us to shine to the world around us. And so as we're looking at this and we're emancipating God's greatness through us, we want to make sure we take this journey to the next step. And so the next step is that we're going to actually conclude this year with a very important message series that really caps off everything that we've been talking about for this whole year. Y'all ready for it? Are y'all really ready for it? What we're talking about this year, this last message of of the year, is the love of God. The love of God. Now, some of you are like, oh, I know about the love of God. Yes, Jesus loves me for the Bible tells me. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about really knowing the love of God. Because here's the first statement that I want you to get, and I want you to see this in your YouVersion Bible app or take this down. It's going to be on the screen. This is the first thing that I really need you to know. It's this, you can never have sustained change externally if you don't have a healthy foundation internally. Let me say that one more time. You can never have sustained change externally if you don't have a healthy foundation internally. And I'm preaching already because I believe that if we don't grab the fact that we need to have a healthy foundation internally, what we'll do is all the word that we get, all the things that we go through, all the experiences that we have, they'll just be noise. They'll be notes that we put in the pad and that we forget about. But if we can grab what God is really saying to us today, I believe transformation can happen. Are y'all ready to be transformed? Come on, are y'all ready, ready to be transformed? See, some of y'all set yourself up because you started coming to the 11 o'clock service because it's max optional. I can see your face now. I can see if you're talking back to me or if you're just kind of doing like this. But I'm excited today that as we go through this, we save the best for last, talking about the love of God, because here it is. We need to understand the Father's love. The Father's love truly shapes everything about how we operate. It sustains us. It shapes us. It allows us to be guided through the ups and the downs of life. When you understand the Father's love, what it does, it allows you to know what filter you're supposed to walk through so that when you're feeling good, you still know the Father's love. When you're not feeling so good, you still know the Father's love. It determines how you respond to the outward things that are going on in your life. Now, why why do I say that? I say that because of this point. Jimmy Evans says it like this, that we can only get as close to God as our image of God will allow. I'm going to take my time today because I need us to hear this. I don't need us just to rush past this word. We can only get as close to God as our image of God 
will allow. And if we're honest, many of us have not seen the greatest image of God or the image of fathers. And so what we do is that we respond to God in the way that we have even seen the image of a father. And so that's why as we end this year, we want to make sure that we grab this and that we're very intentional. The reason why I'm saying this and I'm spending a little time on it is this. What comes to mind when you think about God and how he responds literally shifts everything you do. When you think about God, do you think about this mean, big person on the throne that's trying to keep you from enjoying life? Do you think about this person that's trying to punish you because you didn't do right? Or do you think about God as a loving father who loves you so much that he tries to keep you from actually going down the wrong road? See, it's all about perspective. Perspective is everything. And as we look at this, we only can actually see God based on the image of God that we have. And what I know is that too many people, we've not seen God in the right way. And because we've not seen God in the right way, too many people are running away from God and hiding instead of drawing close to him and abiding in his love. And I believe I'm in a room today with some people who are tired of life as usual, who are tired of church as usual, who don't just want another sermon, who don't just want to come in and sing some songs, but you want an experience with God. Can somebody say amen if you believe that? So this week, I've been spending intentional time, maybe even a little bit more than usual, just praying into this message, praying into this day. I've spent time here at the church praying over this altar, praying over this platform, and most of all, praying over this great distance of 18 inches, which is the greatest distance from your head to your heart. I've been praying about this because what I know is that some of us know about God, but we don't really know God. And if we're really honest, there's a big difference between knowing about the love of God and really experiencing for yourself the true love of God. So as we walk through this, this is what I want to say. I want to let you know that I believe that as we leave here today, as we go throughout this series, as we engage, as we lean in, that I want you to know that you know that you know that God loves you. And the way we're going to do this, we're going to borrow from our brother Paul in the Bible because what we need to know is that when we know his love, it changes everything. Literally, Paul said it like this. The apostle Paul, he said it in Ephesians. Follow along. It's on the screen. I'm reading from the Amplified Version. In verse 17 of chapter 3, it says this. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And may you, having been deeply rooted and securely grounded in love, be fully capable of comprehending with all the saints, that's you, God's people, the width and the length and the height and the depth of his love, fully experiencing that amazing endless love. And that you may come to know, watch this, practically, through personal experience, not your grandmama's gospel. The love of Christ, which far surpasses mere knowledge without experience, that you may be filled up throughout your being to all the fullness of God. I'm getting excited all by myself. So that you may have the richest experience of God's presence in your lives, completely filled and flooded with God himself. See, I don't know about you, but I don't read that as just words on the page. When I think about my life, when I think about the whiff of how God had to come get me even when I wanted to create distance between him and me. When I think about the depths that God reached down and actually pulled me out of the things that I tried to inflict on myself. 
When I think about the things that he actually protected me from, even this week, I'm not talking about an old testimony. I can say that God loves me because I have an experience for myself. As I look at this, I'm thinking, even my my late pastor, he used to say it like this. The English language is poverty-stricken to try to describe the measure of how good God is. And when we look at this, what we'll understand is even in our contemporary society, Marvin Gaye and Tammy Terrell, they just borrowed from the scriptures when they said, ain't no mountain high enough. Ain't no valley low enough to keep me from getting to you. God is saying there is no mountain high enough. There is no distance that you can go to separate yourself from his love. He will come and get you wherever you are if you are open to his love. And so as we look at this, this is what I want us to know. This love that we're talking about today, this love that we're talking about for the next several weeks, this is not a theological idea that I just want you to get with. This is a spiritual experience that we want you to walk in. And as we walk in this spiritual experience, what we need to know is that many times it's hard for us to grasp what the scriptures are saying because it's not real to us. We see it historically. We see, oh, that was for them. That was for the New Testament. That was for the Old Testament. But what I love about the Father's love is that because I have an experience with him, he now allows me to filter my life through him. Now, because I know the Father's love, I now preach from a place of the Father's love. I live from a place of the Father's love. I relate from a place of the Father's love, not just because I have a son, a biological son in the earth, but now because I've experienced him, I want to pass that love to everybody I meet. I want it to be contagious. I want when people come around me that they feel so much the love of God that they say, I want what he has. What is he on? It's the love of God. And so what I'm excited about as we go through this series is that Jesus, he's so strategic. God is so strategic that he will put in his word ways that we're able to see ourselves through the scriptures in ways that relate to us. We're going to talk today and even over the next several weeks about a parable that Jesus gave us. And a parable is simply a story that he paints a picture so that we can see it. And Jesus, he knew that if he didn't make this real to us, we would sit here and just think this was something that was just historic. So what he did is he brought this in the dynamic of family. How many of you can relate that family would bring some stuff out of you? Somebody sitting next to your family, so you can't make too much noise right now. The dynamic of family is relatable to all of us. And so what we're going to be talking about today and over the next several weeks is this famous parable that you've probably heard of, the parable of the prodigal son. And so this is what I want to let you know. The accurate description of that parable is actually not just the the prodigal son. It's actually the story of the two lost sons. Because it wasn't just one son, it was two sons. As a matter of fact, there are about four characters that we're going to deal with in that story that every week for the next several weeks, we're going to turn the perspective and we're going to speak from that vantage point. So this is what I want to ask you. If you have never come to church more than one week in a row, (laughs) just look straight, just look straight. This is the time for you to be at church over the next several weeks because every week we're going to be turning this from a different perspective. And I believe there's going to be at least one that hits you and draws you even closer to the love of God. So this is what we're going to do. We're going to jump in. And today we're going to talk about the one that we are very familiar with, the younger son. 
And in Luke chapter 15, verses 1 and 2, we're going to start there, and then we're going to jump down to verse 11. But I want to read this. I want to start off. It says this. Now, the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, they muttered, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. My first announcement before I go another step further is that Jesus not only welcomes sinners, but he loves them. And I believe it's important for us to say that because not everyone who comes into this church building has resolved the fact that Jesus loves me. Not everyone who has come here today or who's watching online today, you really understand in your heart that Jesus loves you. And what I want to let you know is no matter where you find yourself on your walk, Jesus loves you. It's a historical truth, but it's a relevant truth for right now, and I want you to know it. And so this next part of the scripture, it sets the scene. Jesus is actually sitting around two dynamic groups of people. On one side, he has sinners, and on the other side, he has the saved, sanctified, filled with the Holy Spirit. On this side, he has the heathen, and on the other side, he has the holier than thou. And what I want to let you know one more time is that no matter where you find yourself on the spectrum, God has said, I'm right here with you, and I welcome you into my presence. So as we look at this, Jesus is starting to tell the stories. He, he first starts with the story of the shepherd who left the 99 and went after the one. We've heard that. We've sung, sung songs about it. The next story he starts to tell is about this woman who was so intent about finding this lost coin. And what he's doing, he's actually setting them up. Because every story, little by little, it starts to share a little bit more about God's heart. And what he does is he comes to this crescendo of the main event that he wants us to talk about and that we're going to deal with today. But here's the good news. I'm not going to preach this by myself today. Y'all going to help me today. Y'all going to help me today. And here's the thing. We're going to do what some would call in the old school responsive reading. But again, I can see your face today. So if you're just doing this, that's, that's not going to work today. I need you to talk because some of you have sat back there like, oh, I want to preach. This is your ch chance to preach. I need you to say it with your chest. I need you to be loud. I need you to speak it. And I need you to be in a little bit of rhythm, okay? So this is what we're going to do. They're going to put the scriptures on the screen. The underlined and the bold one, they're yours. And the other one is mine. So don't read mine. They're going to put it on the screen. On three, let's read this together in Luke 15, 11, 1, 2, 3. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Y'all doing good. After he had spent everything there, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your 
So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and he kissed him. But the father said to his servants, quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Let's read this one all together, this last verse. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. I know that took a little bit longer than what you're used to, you know, hearing a verse of scripture in in church, but I needed us to kind of get engaged in the scripture. I needed to bring it home and actually make it even a a type of biblical virtual reality for you. Because I need us to understand that there are powerful lessons in these 12 verses of scripture. And what God is trying to share with us right here is really show us what the Father's love really looks like. And so as we look at this, this is what I want us to know. I want us to understand that in these lessons, God is trying to teach us three main things in these particular verses. The very first thing that he's trying to teach us is this, that the Father's love gives us free will. The Father's love gives us free will. Now, there are parallels in these verses of Scripture that are really engaging us with what the Father's love looks like and how we operate with God the Father. And as we look at this, I want to actually just read this again and actually share with you that in verse 7, the younger son says, give me my share of the estate. Now, I'm not a person who just reads the the Bible and just operates like I just, you know, just read something that I didn't really see that, that grabbed me. When I see that he says to his father, give me my share of the estate, my first observation is that surely his father didn't come up in the same school of parenting that my father came into. <laughs> when I read this and it says, give me my share, I probably would have only got give me my out of my mouth. And the ne- next words would have been my teeth back so I can say sorry. <laughs> he said, give me my share. This was disrespectful at least. And when you understand the context of the story, what you will see here is that you would have been excommunicated for doing something like this. If you spoke to your father, spoke to your parents like this, they wouldn't have seen you for a little while because you would have been on missing persons of Jerusalem. (laughs) And what God is trying to teach us right here is that he wants to show us how gracious the father is even when he has been disrespected. How many times have you have said to God, I don't necessarily want to come to you in reverence, but I want you to give me this. How many times have you started your prayers for the day? Lord, I need this. It's right here in the scriptures that he was going to God with an unrighteous indignation. And what I want to let you know is that there are some things right here because here it is. Historically, when you look at this, there are some real connotations to what he said. Back in this day, you could only get your share of an inheritance once your father died. So what he was actually saying to his father, watch this, is that I wish you were dead. What he was actually saying to his father is that I don't necessarily need you around here. I just want what you can give me. 
What he was saying to his father is, I know you actually slaved your whole life and you tried to create safety for me. You tried to create a good place, but I would rather you be dead so that I can have my stuff. And what the father did right here is he had to take it in. As a matter of fact, the father suffered the most extreme rejection that you could ever have, and that's the rejection of love. And as we think about this story and look at the context, the Greek word for property was actually bios. This is where we get biology. Because when you liquidated, when you gave your son something, you didn't have dollars and cents. Your wealth was tied up in your property. Your wealth was tied up in your land. So what this son was saying is that I don't care about you. I need you to go and actually put yourself down uh, as a mere man. I need you to actually disrespect yourself by going and selling your land so I can have what I want. When it says that he divided his property, it was actually meaning that he divided his life. So his son, not caring what his father had to go through, not caring that the people in town were looking at his father with the side eye, not caring that people would look at him and be talking about them at their dinner tables. He said, I don't care. Give me my share. And so as we look at this, this, the father still gave him his money. He gave him his money and allowed him to go on his way. And the Bible records that the son went away and he turned all the way up. The Bible records, it didn't say it like that in this scripture. It said it like that in my version. He turned all the way up. He was with his friends. He was out and about drinking, doing different things, getting all the women that he wanted to get, having a good time with people who would come around him because he had something to offer. But it says then there was a famine in the land. Then he had to actually make a decision. And I want to let you know that sometimes that famine is what actually will charge you back to understanding the heart of the father. And right here in the scripture, what happens is that this choice that he made to go to ask for his money, it put him in a position where he was at his lowest of lows. Can I get an honest church in the house right now that would say, sometimes we have had to go to the lowest of lows to understand how good God is? I don't know about you, but I know in my own life, even in the last couple years, there have been times where he's had to remind me that I am a good, good father. Have you ever asked yourself the question, how did I get here? Why did I do that? And then we try to spiritualize it when we make choices and then we say, God, your word says you will never put more on me than I can bear. But the challenge is when God talks back with his word and he says to us, just because I allowed it doesn't mean I blessed it. Just because God allowed certain things in your life through his permissive will does not mean it was his perfect will. Just because he allows you to walk down the road and do certain things, just because he allowed you to get with that person, that man or that woman, does not mean that that's what he really had for you. But sometimes we want him to bless our mess. And so as we look at this, we have to understand that God is teaching us lessons from this story. And here's a big one. I want you to write this down. It's in your notes. Love doesn't control. God is teaching us right here that love doesn't control because sometimes the greatest love that God can show us is to allow us to go our own way. Sometimes, you know, the old folks used to say bought sense is better than heard sense. We need to understand that sometimes God has to have us buy some sense because he's trying to teach us that you're safe here, but we want to go try him at, at his word. Let me say it one more time. Love doesn't control. Love doesn't 
control. I feel like I, had, I need to say that a few more times in this house. Love doesn't control because some of you in this house, you have some people in your life that are trying to control you. You have some people in your life that in the name of being concerned, they're trying to hold you with a noose. In the name of control, they're actually trying to say that you're actually a slave to them. And I want to let you know right now, there is no control in the love of God. I know that's hard for some of us to hear because you might even be sitting next to someone who has a control over you. But God is looking to set some people free today. God is looking to have his Holy Spirit moving through us today. God wants us to operate in the freedom and the liberty of what he has for us today. Somebody say amen to that. So as we look at this, here it is. The father doesn't stop the son from leaving. He allows the son to make his own choice because the son at the time, he said, it feels right to me to do this. Be careful when it just feels right to you because everything that feels right to you is not good for you. The Bible says it like this in Proverbs chapter 14, verse 12. There is a way that appears to be right, but in the end, it leads to death. And anytime we put our way over the way of God, it leads to death, spiritual death, emotional death, psychological death. And so this is what I want us to know. God, he risked it all for the sake that we might come back. See, if God never let us go, he would be forcing us. He would, be have, he would have us enslaved. But what he wanted you to do was to be able to go at the risk of not coming back. He wanted you to choose to come back to his goodness, choose to come back to his safety, choose to come back to his peace. And if he controlled us, that wouldn't be there. So here it is. How do we know that we love God? How do we show God love? We do it right here. I'm glad you asked. In John chapter 14, verse 15, very simple, it says, if you love me, obey my commandments. I know that's revelatory. I know that's super deep, but God is saying, I don't need you to go out here and try to go through all these hoops. If you love me, obey my commandments. Because he wants us to choose the good thing. He wants us to make sure that we come back to him. And God loves you enough to choose. And it actually leads me to the second thing that I want to let you know today. The lesson that we're learning right here is that the Father's love is better than anything else in the world. You might be saying, oh, that's so simple. What do you mean? The love of the Father is better than anything else in the world. Verse 17 says, he came to his senses, talking about the prodigal son. He came to himself. And I want you to notice something, though. He didn't come to himself when everything was good. He came to himself because he had a little bit of a hard time. He came to himself because things were a little tough. He came to himself because he realized things are actually better at home. And I don't know about you, but I want to thank God that he allows me the opportunity to come back to my senses. I thank God that when I actually set myself up in a place that I knew I shouldn't have walked in, that he still said, my grace is sufficient for you, that you can come to your senses. Let me ask you this. Does anybody remember the first time you moved out? Do you remember how everything seemed good until you got that first electric bill? <laughs> until you had to pay that first car note? I remember my first car, and I was like, well, that, that home curfew might not be so bad. <laughs> it's better at home, but sometimes we have to actually get an experience to be able to know that. And the reality is this. Sometimes you can be pacified all the way to hell. 
Sometimes you can feel good. You can have all the trappings. You can have the nice clothes. You can take the third picture that you filtered and put it on Instagram and say, yeah, I'm doing well. I'm lit. I'm good. But if we're really honest, sometimes we're fooling ourselves and we're setting ourselves up for a fall that we can't get ourselves out of by ourselves. See, you can be happy for a moment, but your soul is actually tanking. And this is what I want to let you know, that many times, here's an announcement brought to you by Jesus Christ. Many times, God's grace, it actually takes the form of our lives falling apart. I'm going to say it one more time. Because y'all heard it, but he's like, ooh. Sometimes the grace of God comes in the form of our lives falling apart. It's called tough love. It's called when somebody has to say, go out of there and see if, see if it's really good. See if the iron's hot. But what we want to do, we want to understand what God wants us to understand right here in Psalm 16, 11. He says, you make known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. Basically, what God is saying is that the kindest thing I can do right now for you is to let you go fall away so that you can get your sense. The kindest thing that I can do right now is for you to understand that it is better at home. And I want to speak to some people right now in the room that you may be even standing in the gap for somebody who has gone distant from home. You may spend your time praying for that spouse, that significant other, that child that you know is wandering away of the protection of God. And right now, I believe that if we can actually intercede for them, I want to actually see by a show of hands, how many people are standing in the gap for somebody that has gone away? I knew I was in the right room. Right now, if you're standing in the gap for somebody, just lift both hands. I want to pray right now. Those online, I need you to lift your hand and put that in the chat. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you right now that this is not something that we're just reading about, but this is something that we experience. I declare right now that even every word that I'm speaking that is downloading in the heart of every person in here that is standing in the gap as an intercessor for their loved one. And I declare that we will be a people who not only hear the word, but we do the word, that we believe the word, and we declare that by the power of the Holy Spirit that they are coming to their senses. In Jesus' name, amen. Somebody say amen if you believe that. See, what happened right here is that he had to get clarity and come to himself. But let me give a really good point of clarity in this message. He came to his senses, and he started to realize that I am no longer even worthy to be a son. And so what he started to do is he tried to say, okay, I know I can't go home and just kind of waltz back in there. I know my, my father is going to have the belt ready to whip my behind. But this is what I want to do. I'm going to offer him up something different. I'm going to make myself or offer myself up to be a hired servant, someone who is not attached, someone who can earn or pay my way back into his good graces. How many of us, when we have fallen, when we have missed the mark, have said, God, I need to pay you back. I, I can't be blessed until I read this amount of scriptures. I can't be blessed until I pray these amount of hours. I can't be blessed until I've come to church this many times. God is saying, listen, I don't need you to have that kind of mentality. I need you to know you're still welcome home. Because what we do is that we live with a but in our lives instead of a so. What do I mean by that? We live in this way. We say, I am saved by the blood of Jesus, but... I've done all these things, and I need to actually work my way into his good graces. 
The adverse is God wants us to know that you were saved by grace so you will do good works just because you love me. You're not doing it because you're trying to earn God's good graces. You're not doing it because you're trying to be a good person. You're not doing it because you're trying to pay God back. You're doing it because he's already paid the price. And if we look at this and if we grab it, I remember as I look at this, my Bible says it in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8, for it is the grace of God. It's by his grace that you've been saved through faith. And this is not for yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works that no one could boast. See, the best news, I need you to hear this. The best news that any of us can get is that you cannot earn the grace of God. Because if we could earn the grace of God, what we would do is we would be haughty. We would be even more self-righteous than some of us self-righteous people are. We would start to say, well, look at me. I did well. You know, look at, look at how I need to be lifted up in the eyes of God. But all that does, is that makes us slaves. And God said, we're not a slaves. We're sons and daughters of the most high God. So as we look at this, here it is. God wants us to understand that we need to live from his place of forgiveness, from his place of grace. But the son is constantly trying to earn this relationship back. But the bottom line is this. The son really didn't know the heart of the father, and he wouldn't even done that. What he needs to know is that he needs to know this truth that I want you to check out. And, And I want you to lean in on this one right here because we need to really hear this. Come on, lean in with me. Lean in with me. Some of y all are new. Just lean in. See, we're used to a world that says yesterday's price is not today's price. We're used to a world that says you have to work to get my approval. We're used to a world that says everything you do, you have to work and and strive and try to do something better so that I can actually acknowledge you. But the good news is Jesus already paid the price. The good news is God already paid the price. There is no price that we can pay. There is no thing that we can do that will try to allow us to actually get back into his good graces because he did it already. And here's the other thing. Keep that lean in with me. The good news as we lean in and think about this is this. Not only can we not pay the price and not only can we not earn it, God wants you to know that he misses you. He paid the price well in advance because he wants you to come home. He misses your fellowship. He misses you being with him. He misses your heart being full with his presence. And that takes me to this last thing that I want us to know. He misses you and he loves you and he longs for you. And if we look at this in verse 20, what it says right here as we round this up, it says, so he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him. And was filled with compassion for him. And he ran to his son. See, I don't want you to go to the end of the story like you've already heard this before. I need you to hear something. Because this is the, one of the biggest revelations that we can actually have in the Bible. And this revelation is this, is that the father is waiting on you to come home. The father, no matter what you did, he's waiting for you to come close to him. As a matter of fact, the Bible says that he saw him from afar off, which means he had to be looking for him. So what this means is that every single day he would look over the horizon and kind of say, that kind of looks like the the shape of my son. That kind of looks like the shape of my daughter. That kind of looks like, is that them? 
And when I read this story, it takes me to my own life because I remember just a few months ago when Kendra and I had our son Maximus when he was just delivered and the, the doctors and the nurses, they came into the room to run some routine tests. And we're looking at this man that actually said his son was at a far off country. Our son, they took him for some tests. He was just maybe a floor or two away from us. But I remember the feeling that I had when they took him away. That every time the door kind of creaked, I would perk up. That every time somebody would walk down the hall, I would, I would kind of get up and I would say, is that him? I had only been away from my son just for a few minutes, but every moment with anticipation, I was like, is he, is he back? Is she back? And God is saying the same thing to you. He's saying, listen, I'm sitting on my throne and I'm looking up every time. Is she back? Is he back? I know he went off and did all the things he wanted to do. I know she went off and did all the things he wanted to do. But I'm anxiously anticipating their return. And what I love about this story is that it goes on to say, we just read this. It goes on to say, he ran to his son. Watch this. He ran to his son. He did something different than all the people would do in that day. See, we're used to seeing God as this way far off being. But back in that day, the patriarchs, the men of the house, they didn't run. If they ran, it was actually a sign of weakness. It was a sign of disgrace. But the father loved his son enough that he said, I'm going to come to your level. He loved his son enough that I'm not going to let this distance between us be something that prohibits us from walking in fellowship together. See, some of you, some of us, we've gotten into a place where we feel like the things we did actually separated us too far from God. That I'm going to hide out in the shadows. That I'm going to sit here and be quiet and when I get it together, I can come back to God. God is saying, I'm coming close to you. And the Bible says that he came and he kissed his son. When I think about this, I think about the fact that he fell on his son. And as a matter of fact, I feel like he protected his son by coming on inside of him and saying, I'm not going to let the religious people get to you first. Because if we're honest, some of us have stayed far away from home because somebody that was holy said we're not good enough. Some of us have kept distance away from God because we feel like we have not been able to perform good enough. But God has said, I'm coming close to you. I'm not waiting for you to get to me. I'm coming close to you. This day is for you. He kissed his son. He put his arm around his son. He closed his son. What he wanted his son to know is that you are safe. I have a word right here in the house to let you know that you are safe in the arms of God. The same way that I was waiting for my son to come back in that room, the same way that I had anticipation, God wants you to know that you are safe. He wants you to know that he loves you so much that he's not waiting for you to get it together. He wants you to know that he's waiting to put his arms back around you with reckless abandon. You can come home. You can come home. And the reality is some of us don't realize this truth because we've gotten caught up in church as usual. And God is saying, I'm not looking for you to get caught up in church as usual. The Bible says it like this in Luke chapter 15, and this is what he's saying to us. He says, that's the way God responds to every time one lost sinner repents and turns to him. He says to all his angels, watch this, 
let's have a joyous celebration for the one who was lost. For the one who was lost. For the one who was lost. Even if you've been in church all your life, in your soul you know you may have been lost. For the one who was lost is now found. And so as we close this service today, but we don't close God's spirit, what I want you to know is it's time for some of y'all to come home. It's time for some of us to come home, to come out of the shadows, to come out of the performance anxiety, to come out of thinking that you have to have it all together and come home today. But this is what I want you to know. If you didn't know it already, the way you come home with this door wide open, Jesus is actually the door. Jesus is the door saying, you have to come through me, and I want to be your Savior. I want to be your Lord because I've sacrificed my life so that you can be at home. So we repent. We come to ourselves. We turn. We stop doing what we were doing, and we turn towards the way of God. I'm not talking about perfection. I'm talking about a yieldedness to God, and we come home. It doesn't matter how far you've gone. You can come home. And so in this moment, this is what I want to do. Many times what we do when we get to this part of the service, we say, bow your heads, close your eyes, because we don't want you to feel like you're standing out. Today, I feel like there's a reckless, godly boldness in the house today. Some people are sick and tired of being sick and tired, and you're saying, I need to come home. I don't care what people think about me. I don't care if they thought I had it all together. I don't care if they thought that I was saved and had it all figured out. Today, because of my relationship with God the Father, I need to come home. So in this moment, if you want to come home, I need you to stand up. I need you to stand up. I need some bold people in the house that say, I don't care about anything else. I see you. He's saying, welcome home. He's saying, welcome home. He's saying, welcome home. He said, see, some of y'all are waiting around saying, what are they going to think about me? I've been serving in the church. I've been doing this. I need you to come home because God needs you to come home. I'm waiting on two more people. There's two more people that you're like, I wish he would be quiet. I wish he would move on. Yeah, I see you. Thank you, man. I see you. I see you. I see you. Thank you, sir. You're not doing this for me. The Lord sees you. He's drawing nigh to you. He's coming with reckless abandon. He's not waiting for you to come to him. He's saying, come to me, all who are heavy and laden. There's a grace in the house. And right now, for every person who made that bold step, you're not doing this as a religious exercise. You're doing this because God says that I have something for you. The plans that I have for you are to prosper you, to give you a good hope and a future. And I want you to come home so you can experience it. So at this moment, here it is. As a congregation, as a family, all of us, we're going to pray this prayer together, but we, I don't want you to pray this as this, this thing that you heard and that you're just repeating after me. I need you to say it from the depths of your heart and realize that I'm coming home today. So if you want to receive this place called home, repeat this prayer after me. Say, Lord Jesus, thank you for being my Savior. Thank you for being my Lord. Thank you for sacrificing on the cross for me. Today I repent which means I'm gonna change my ways. I'm not talking about being perfect, but I'm gonna yield myself to you, God. Lord Jesus, I declare that you are my savior. You are my Lord.
and I will follow you from this day on. In Jesus' name, I'm coming home. Somebody say amen to that. Come on, we ought to give God a bigger praise than that. We ought to give God a bigger praise than that. Come on, somebody just came home. You stepped out of darkness and into light. You stepped out of despair and into hope. You stepped out of a place of darkness and now God says, let there be light in your life. Come home. 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 This is how we're going to close this service today. I'm going to ask our prayer leaders to come down front because as you come home, as Pastor Johnson said in the last series, there's some things that just don't happen miraculously in a service because somebody prayed it off you. There's some things you need to connect with somebody to be loved through it over time. And so during this next moment, as we get ready to close today, we're going to go back into that song that we sung earlier that we've never met a father. And this is what I want you to do. I want you to hear it with new ears. I want you to hear it now understanding that God is not looking at at you in a down place. He's looking at you saying, you're welcome. And if you need to come down to the altar and speak to somebody, if you need to come down just to actually give yourself up to him and say, Lord, I'm home as a physical representation. I'm coming down. You have that opportunity. But in this next moment, let's connect to the Father in the way that we now know him in Jesus' name.
we're getting ready to close the service and I'm standing down there and the Lord just pricked me. And what I saw was that there's at least one man and maybe even a woman or two, but there's at least one man that you thought the service was over. You thought that I, I, I'm standing here. I'm not going to stand up. I'm not going to come home because the enemy was in your ear the entire service saying, this is not for you. They don't know what you did. They don't know how far you are back. You're not good enough to actually respond to this type of call. But what I heard, even as they were singing the song, that we've never met a father that loved quite like this, that he will stop a service. And for hundreds of people that are getting ready to disperse, he would hold up that service to say, I love you so much that I need you to come home. And so in this moment, this is, this is going to change somebody's generations to come. If I'm talking to you right now and you know who you are, I don't need you just to stand up or wave your hand. I need you to come down to the altar. This is not to make you look bad. This is because God wants to save your life. And he wants you to know that he loves you that much that he's not going to let us leave without you coming home. We're going to wait for you for a moment. Come home. Come home. Come home. Come home, sir. We see you. Come home. We see you. We see you. Come home. 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 You said come home. This is life or death. Come home. You said come home. Yeah, yeah. You said, you said come home. Come home. Come home. Come home. Come home. Your whole family is changing because you came home. Your whole life is changing because you're coming home. Your whole trajectory is changing because you're coming home. You said come home. Welcome home. You said come home. Welcome home. You said come home. Somebody lift your hands in the place right now. Come on, right now. We're coming home. We're coming home to the Father. You said come home. Father, we thank you that you're all-knowing, that you're all-seeing, that you know even more than we could even give up of ourselves. And right now, whether we're in the room, whether we're worshiping online, right now, God, we thank you for giving us the space to come home. I see people in every aisle saying, I don't want to miss this thing called life with God. And so right now, God, I thank you for every person who has made the step to say, I'm coming out of my comfort zone and I'm coming back to you, God. Father, we call them blessed. I plead the blood of Jesus over them. And I declare right now that this will be a day that they mark for generations to come. That this is not about a church service, but this is about an experience with you. We give you praise. We give you glory and honor in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And amen. Listen, we're about to close the service. If you're down here, you came down and you need to get with a prayer leader. Pastor Taz is going to close the service, but you can come on down. We have a few more people down here. Pastor Bobby, come on down. I need you all to help out, help out. We have some people down here. But I want you to know that home is where God's heart is. And you're there with them in Jesus' name. God bless you.
How exciting is it to see people getting their life just reconnected to Jesus? Isn't that amazing? And so for those of you who stood, maybe you're down here at the front and you were saying, you know what, I'm coming home. I want to point you to a website where we've created some content to just kind of help you in your relationship with the Lord. So if you'll either text the word BELIEVE to 203040 or visit uh, victoryatl.com forward slash I told you the wrong website, newfaithatl.com. So it's text the word believe to 203040 or newfaithatl.com. Again, those are just some uh, some devotionals that will help you in your relationship with the Lord because you need to know this, that coming down to the front or standing and saying a prayer isn't the end. It's the beginning of a relationship with Jesus. Just like when you get married, when you go and you stand before each other and say, I do, that's not the end. That's just the beginning of a whole new life. So I want to encourage you in that. Uh, Pastor Mo said this, if you need prayer, prayer leaders will be down here at the front. And then I also want to tell you one more thing. If you have not taken the forward classes, like the things that we talked about today with the uh, the love of the Father and things like that, these are the areas that we begin to address in forward. And a forward is a way to get you emotionally and spiritually healthy. It's kind of a way to jumpstart um, your emotional and spiritual health. So there are four classes that are followed up by a weekend experience. And so the weekend experience is coming up this Saturday but you have to have the classes to be able to go through the forward experience. The classes are online, so you can take them this week. Just go to uh, victoryatl.com forward slash forward, or you can go to connecttovictory.com. You can sign up to take those classes, and then you can per, uh, participate in the weekend experience this Saturday. And I just want to tell you, forward is an amazing experience. I get to serve at it, and there have been so many times where I've been standing at the front getting ready to do ministry and the Lord begins to speak to me things and I begin to weep. And so I just want to send that invitation out to you. Don't miss out on the things that the Lord may have for you. Just go to and sign up and take those classes and then attend the forward experience this coming weekend. All right, let me pray over you. I want to bless you and I want to send you. Jesus, thank you for the reminder about your great love for us. Father, Your word says how great the love of the Father that he's bestowed on us, that we could be called the children of God. So thank you for speaking that over us today. God, I I pray that us as your people, that when we leave here, we would leave with courage and an awareness of your great love for us and for others, that we would be conduits of your love when we leave here and that people would look at us and they would experience your love because we because you first loved us. And so, God, I send your people. Send us out to love others. In your name I pray, amen. God bless you. We'll see you next week.